0: You're listening to Humanize Me with Bart Campolo.
1: Hey everybody, welcome to Humanize Me. I am Bart Campolo. This is my podcast. And you know, it's funny, just even as that comes out of my mouth and I say this is my podcast, I think like that's so possessive. I shouldn't say that. That's not even true. I mean, like if nobody listens, if nobody is willing to come on and have conversations with me, then there is no podcast. So really this is our podcast. We share it. And I should know that better than anybody because I get all these great emails from people, um, with topics for future episodes and potential guests and feedback and corrections and, and if you want to, if you want to feedback, the place to do it is at bartcampolo.org. That's where the podcast lives right now. I'm thinking eventually we just need to get a humanize me, um, website address. Because again, like this whole like Bart, this, Bart, that it's not, somebody actually wrote in and said, Hey, why don't you call your podcast listeners Bartians? you know, like Bardians? And I was like, man, we are anything but that. Like I, you know, I mean, I, I get the joke, but. The reality is, is that there's this, I think we're kind of a niche podcast right now for a whole bunch of people trying to figure some stuff out. And in this next, the conversation I'm going to play for you, the the, the one we've got coming up next, it's me and my wife. And we are trying to figure something else out. I mean, like, and people are always like, why won't your wife come on the podcast? Could you have your wife? Could you talk about your marriage more? Because that's a big issue, marriage and all this stuff. And, you know, the truth of the matter is, is that this podcast isn't actually about our marriage, although it is about a huge conflict that we together are facing within our marriage, um, which you'll figure out as soon as you start listening to it. Um, but I just—I I guess the only disclaimer I've got for you is, is that yeah, Marty was willing to come on the podcast. She is a shy person. And the kind of conversation that you have when there are two mics in front of you is really different than the kind of conversation that we have normally, mainly because I think fast on my feet. And so I interrupt a lot, but Marty, she's somebody who like she listens until you're done talking and then she thinks, and then she says something. And so in our real conversations, there are lots of long pauses, which you kind of can't make work in a podcast situation. So after we were done the conversation, she said, you know, that was cool. She's like, but that, you know, I don't want people to, I would, I would hate it if people thought that, that you talked that much and I talk that little in a real conversation listen I'm not gonna again no disclaimers like you'll 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 hear it you'll understand um I think you'll like it in fact I'm not gonna talk very much more I'm just gonna cut to this conversation because I think it was important and uh and it's not like we resolve anything either I mean we end it with the same question and I'm actually really interested in your response to the question that we raised so let's get to it And then you can hit me on the other side. Let me try to, I'm going to try to set this up. Because I've been wanting to have you on the podcast for a while. People often write in and say, you'd mention your wife, you talk about your wife, but like, where is she?
0: I actually exist.
1: Why are you never on the podcast? Why are you never, why are you not, why do you not have your own podcast?
0: You're asking me this? Yes. I think you know the answer to that question.
1: But tell the people. I'm shy. You are shy, aren't you? I am. Yeah. And in my whole deconversion from Christianity, people always ask me, like, well, where's your wife in all this? And I always say, oh, my wife, like, she was tracking with me the whole way. Sometimes she was ahead of me, and I was, like, pulling her back into Christianity. And sometimes she was, you know, sometimes, like, I was the one that sort of had the new realization. I was like, this is a big problem. But, you know, like, but we came out. When I finally said, "Like I, I, don't, I think this life is all there is," your initial response was what?
0: Can't we keep it private?
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're like, yeah, I think that too, but don't tell anybody. <laughs> and why? Why was that your your deal?
0: Well, I am. I'm just a much more private person, and I don't want to have to explain to everybody all the time why I believe what I believe or don't believe what I don't believe. I would just rather live my life and not have to explain that to everyone.
1: So, And and so you're horrified by me?
0: Sometimes I am horrified
1: by you. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so, but today I got you here. And the reason I got you here is because, and, and it's funny because people that listen to this podcast remember that when I was in Cincinnati that one time, I did this kind of raw podcast where I was like, I'm upset. I'm having this moment. right? And I just pulled out the microphone and like, I was having this moment i'm upset today and i'm having one and it started yesterday yesterday was sunday and uh i don't go to church obviously but i did sort of a devotional thing which is i pulled out my copy of ingersoll the magnificent um which for me is as close as i get to reading the writings of a true prophet because um, a lot of people that know me know that i'm always quoting robert Ingersoll. Ingersoll's kind of my role model for being hopefully a winsome, friendly, humorous debunker of Christianity, and more importantly, prophet of a positive form of secularism. Mm-hmm. But I always emphasize the positive form of secularism. Like I'm not a guy who has spent very much time on the attack and you've appreciated this absolutely you need to speak up and speak (laughs) in the mic this shy Marty
0: (laughs) right I don't want to make other people feel uncomfortable I want people to be able to believe what they want to believe as long as it's working for them as long as it's not hurting anyone else that's where I've stood on all of this
1: yeah and me too and and, I, you know, I'm like a popular guy on the campus with the other chaplains because they realize like, oh, he's not an angry atheist, he's not coming to get us. And I enjoin in, in my, my people, the people that listen to me, like, yeah, the best strategy for building this kind of new secular approach to goodness is not to be tearing people down, but rather to be building up a community that sort of, okay, all of that said, I think everybody out there knows where I'm at. Mm-hmm so i start i pick up the ingersoll book and um and the first thing i read it's called it's called it's the beginning of a chapter called gems concerning christianity and he says one great objection to the old testament is the cruelty said to be have command said to have been commanded by god all these cruelties however ceased with death the vengeance of jehovah stopped at the tomb he never threatened to punish the dead And there is not one word from the first mistake in Genesis to the last curse of Malachi containing the slightest intimation that God would take his revenge in another world. It was reserved for the New Testament to make known the doctrine of eternal pain. The teacher of universal benevolence rent the veil between time and eternity and fixed the horrified gaze of man upon the lurid gulf of hell. Within the breast of non-resistance, coiled the worm that never dies. Compared to this, the doctrine of slavery, the wars of extermination, the curses, the punishments of the Old Testament were all merciful and just. The Old Testament filled this world with tyranny and injustice, and the new gives us a future filled with pain for nearly all of the sons of men. The Old Testament describes the hell of the past and the new the hell of the future. The Old Testament tells us frightful things that God has done the new the frightful things that he will do these two books give us the sufferings of the past and the future the injustice the agony and the tears of both worlds and that's like the first two paragraphs and then he just keeps going and he just outlines sort of the fright like what a terrible thing it is to threaten people with eternal suffering And he says you know and 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 i guess at one point he says and this is a page that maybe can relate to you he says in the estimation of good orthodox christians i am a criminal because i am trying to take from loving mothers fathers brothers sisters husbands wives and lovers the consolations naturally arising from a belief in an eternity of grief and pain and you go like yeah how is that a consolation
0: exactly i was just thinking that when i was a little kid I was so afraid to die and I actually would have these nights when I, I would get in bed and I would have to call one of my parents in and I would be crying and saying, I'm just so afraid I'm going to die. And I never really, I mean, I know that I was afraid, I don't, I don't know if I actually could articulate exactly what I was fearing, um, but I definitely was being brought up in this doctrine that if you haven't gotten it right, you're going to go to hell and nobody, comforted me against that it was i mean they would say you know maybe jesus will be with you and there's nothing to be afraid of and you know but no one ever said this whole hell thing don't worry about it it's not real
1: and it's not just that it's not real like yeah because nobody says that to you
0: which would be a lovely thing to say to a little kid even if you believe it is real comfort your kid for a while saying you don't really need to worry
1: about that but the real comfort that we always offered our kids is the idea that there's this benevolent, wonderful person out there who loves you, and is only seeking your best interests. And if you don't, and, and, and if your neighbors down the street don't believe in him, they will burn in hell forever. They will suffer eternal torment. Like, and nobody ever stopped and said, "The God we're portraying." anyone that is capable of punishing infinitely because it's it's just a horrible person. Right. And so I'm listening to this, and Ingersoll then goes on and says, Against the heartlessness of the Christian religion, every grand and tender soul should enter solemn protest. The God of hell should be held in loathing, contempt, and scorn. A God who threatens eternal pain should be hated not loved, cursed, not worshipped. A heaven presided over by such a God must be below the lowest hell. I want no part in any heaven in which the saved, the ransomed redeemed, will drown with shouts of joy the cries and sobs of hell, in which happiness will forget misery, where the tears of the lost only increase laughter and double bliss. Hmm. So to teach it, like, I'm just thinking, like, of little kids, because... As you know like i do a lot of counseling and coaching of people you know which by the way if you're interested in that bartcampo.com.org um yeah i I should know my own website and you can find out all about it and it's just funny because marty's always saying like don't forget to tell people that you do that right exactly yes um but a lot of the people i counsel and coach even though they no longer believe in god are still haunted by hell in one way or another one of the women, Melissa, and I'm, I change all the names so don't worry that there's really a Melissa out there, but I'll call her Melissa for right now, is a friend of mine who suffered with cerebral palsy all her life. And when she was in high school, she got swept up in a youth group, much the same way I did. Became a Christian, and, and the thing is, is that there was this miracle that happened for her, which is a girl who had always been left on the outside, all of a sudden is swept up in a group where she's accepted and celebrated and loved and she gets wrapped up in it the ecstasy of the, the music the worship and then the youth pastor comes to her and says you know what if you have enough faith god will heal you wow and for 10 years she feels guilt and shame and horror because the reason she's not being healed is not because god is an, an ogre
0: she doesn't have enough faith.
1: Yeah. And then, of course, there comes the fear. If I don't have enough faith, if I don't truly believe, I'm I gonna might go to hell. I might go to hell. Wow. And so, the, here's the thing. like, The question that I raised yesterday is, I looked at you after I got done reading my Ingersoll in the morning and said, maybe I... I'm not supposed to just be a prophet of positive humanism. Maybe I need to go after Christianity. Like maybe I'm just letting it off the hook. It's a horrible thing to teach people. Like this young this young woman was haunted for years and she is still has all sorts of, of scent, a, a, a sort of like the echoes of hell are still there. And your response when I said that was what
0: I would have to leave you. (laughs) (laughs) No, that's a really, that's a scary proposition for me. Um, just again, because I, I like, I, I don't like to make people feel uncomfortable. Even if, um, I, I do believe that if what people are believing is actually hurting them, then it's worth saying something to them. Or if I feel like it's hurting their children or, or just hurting someone that they're close to, um, But if they're just going along living their lives and their beliefs are basically working for them and maybe even making their life better, then I just wanna leave them alone.
1: And I guess, here's the weird thing. It's like, I'm thinking like, are their beliefs? And first of all, you say, if they're not hurting anybody. But then I think like a little kid is born. A little innocent kid goes off to Sunday school with his mom and dad and the Sunday school teacher says, you know what Jesus says? Loving, special Jesus. Jesus once said, um, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned.
0: Right, and honestly, you know, the more that I think about it, and especially in the last 24 hours as we've been talking about it, um, I think that for me it's not even so much the The idea of this eternal damnation um, because I feel like I haven't believed that for a long time and a lot of Christians that I know I don't think that they really believe it I think they actually would say yeah I'm not I don't really think that hell is what we were taught as children Um, but I think about what Christianity even for people who I would say oh it's not you know it it works for them I'm just remembering this post that my mom put up a few years ago and she's a a devoted Christian um, and she had been doing some kind of devotional in the morning and uh, had quoted Chuck Swindoll or someone like that about uh, I will never be worthy of the grace which has been given to me. And I just remember having... Did
1: she say something like, the good news is I'll never have to forgive anyone else more than what's been forgiven of me? Was something crazy if, like that? Yes. And and you because your initial response was, what could she possibly have done? Exactly.
0: And and what did I do? I mean, I think I had a, I had a visceral reaction to it. I'm sure because it was my own mother, and it made me recognize that I was um, that. That's what I had been brought up in the idea that there was something about me from the very beginning that wasn't worthy, and that there was what exactly it was that I needed to be forgiven for um, was it was just astounding to me that I had lived with that idea and it had made sense to me. And I realized and it shaped
1: your personality, It shaped
0: my personality and and had me feeling guilty and unworthy. And still, I mean, I would say to this day, you know, that's not something that I'm over just because I've realize that um that's not true that i wasn't originally somehow unworthy i i still sort of live as if i am
1: but people and 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 i think the idea is is that when when you say like i want to go out there and say to people this book is a lie and your sense of jesus as a benevolent god as the representative of a benevolent god like the whole idea that jesus saves us from everlasting torment is to say that everlasting torment is what we deserve, or it's what's out there. And you know, people go to me like, Oh, that's all that Old Testament stuff. But Jesus, you know, just my dad, red letter Christianity. And I'm like, yeah, here's red letter Christianity. My favorite verse in the Bible used to be, I tell you whatever you did for the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did to me. Cause that's a great one. If you're recruiting people in a missionary service mm-hmm. say so like, Hey, love the poor, love the broken. You're doing it for Jesus. The next line is, Jesus says, Then God will say to those on his left, Depart from me, you who are cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger and you did not invite me in. So there's this thing. It's like, step out of line, do the wrong thing. Don't respond to Jesus the way he wants you to. Eternal eternal fire those are red letters
0: but still it's interesting because I don't think we when we were Christians I don't think that we took that literally I think that I was always thinking after I got to a certain age and I and I couldn't imagine a god of love casting people into eternal flame that it was the way that we would feel here like if we don't take care of the poor if we don't feed the hungry if we don't heal the sick that we are not going to live lives here that are happy and fulfilling and so it's sort of our own personal hell on earth
1: yeah and it's funny that you say it that way because you say when i got to a certain age which is really good, so in your adult age you, you you got out of
0: well, which i when I was thinking for myself, when right. I wasn't having but people when you're tell me a
1: little kid, that's when yes. hell is most frightening, exactly, and so like I'm thinking like at some point, Christians are wonderful, I know lots of wonderful Christians, but Christianity is a form of terrorism, because it instill like the and this thing like i i'm this is an experimental podcast, yeah. Because what I'm trying to figure out is, am I supposed to say this stuff? Because a big part of me goes like, no, that's going to hurt people's feelings. And that's going to upset people. And a part of me goes, I'm not saying Christians are terrorists, but I'm saying Christianity is terrorism. I was talking to a chaplain the other day, a hospital chaplain, who works in a hospital where people are victims of spinal cord injuries. And he says people routinely come into the hospital and pray to these people and say, there is a God who can heal you if you believe. And he says, those people are spiritual terrorists. And I'm going like, unless they're doing it in Sunday school, in which case I think a child abusers would probably be a better name for anyone who teaches a child that God will burn them forever and burn their families forever if they don't believe right. I got this one woman. She's not a Christian. Her husband is. And her kids are terrified that mommy is going to burn in hell. Right.
0: Yeah, and I think that the people who are told things like that, like if you had enough faith, you would be healed. They just get to live their lives feeling like crap about themselves because they they believe in this loving and benevolent God. And whatever it is they're doing, whatever power they've been given, it's not enough. But somebody else could actually do it. They just can't. So not only are they condemned to cerebral palsy or whatever it is that they're suffering with, They also get to feel like I'm not good enough in God's eyes. I'm not doing it right.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's a double, it's a double whammy. There's the fear of the future and then there's the shame of the present. Exactly. And, and I I guess, you know, it's funny because yesterday, so I'm in, I'm in the fit of this frenzy of having read Ingersoll. And I mean, it goes on for pages and, and different arguments, different ways of saying it. But i'm thinking to myself yeah this is a big problem so i end up writing a letter to my dad and i and i basically say to him like hey i i need to know what you make of this stuff um it you know what do you make of these passages of scripture and i end up saying to him honestly the more i think about it dad the more i wonder if any form of christianity that does not renounce those teachings of Jesus and explicitly deny the possibility that God might eternally torment even one lost soul should be aggressively called out for being what it is a vicious irrational insanity inducing violence inspiring misery making lie invented by men to control their brothers and then I think I can't send that to my dad right he's an old man he's an old man
0: And you know, you know him, you know how it would feel to him and how it would destroy him. And I think that's the feeling I have whenever I think about like all the people that we don't know exactly what it would do to them. I'm afraid of what it would do to them.
1: I am too. And yet I think like, what if somebody like an essential part of their personality was their desire to abuse children? And we were like, look, we can't tell them that's wrong knowing that they're gonna abuse a child and turn that child into somebody who grows up and thinks, I need to abuse children. Like we would never let it go on. We would go like, look, this behavior has to be called. Even if it's painful to this person to give up this behavior, we cannot let people go around abusing children. So I ended up not sending it to my dad. I changed the name at the top and I sent it to Brian McLaren. Because Brian McLaren's like, A, he's not my dad. But he's not, he, a, not as old but he, he's not as old and he's <laughs> my pal and he's the most liberal kind of open you know new kind of christianity christian i know and i ended up saying to him brian isn't it true that if any christian does not openly declare himself a universalist so like, like if you want to believe in magic god who makes everybody happy and we all end up in utopia and there's no con- i mean like i know that like the- realistically that's impossible physically that's impossible that's not how life works consciousness is wrapped up in our brains and our brains are part of us the soma of our body that has to die like i get all that but like you want to believe in happy skippy forever i'm down with that but i said don't you at least need to be a universalist or at the very least an annihilationist who believes that like in the old testament like you step out of line you get punished you die and -hmm. it's over Mm -hmm. but like if you're not if you believe in hell if you teach hell if you even teach that hell is a possibility you're a psychological terrorist and you should be called out and uh i thought like what if a, what if there were a what if there was a sect in utah i shouldn't slag on to utah what if there was a sect in manhattan that was teaching their children that there's a huge sea monster that will eventually come out of the ocean and tear them to shreds if they don't believe in Zeus. We would take those children away from that person, and we say that's insanity. You can't. You can't. Insane people are not allowed to teach to teach their children about about sea monsters that will tear them to shreds.
0: Yeah. Well, I think people like Brian McLeir and people like us, when we were Christians, um, and so many of our friends would say, "I don't." teach my children that. I don't actually believe it. But I think the problem is that they are then grabbing out of the same book all of the things that they do teach their children and that they are trying to live their lives by. Yeah. And so what do you do with that? Because you're constantly dealing with this contradiction instead of just writing a new book.
1: <laughs> yeah, which I, I once asked Brian McLaren to join me in doing. I said, like, look, could we just leave Christianity? Behind, like, you want to turn Christianity into a benevolent, gay friendly, women empowering. I'm like, wouldn't it be easier if we just started from scratch and came up with a new way of life based on facts to do all those things? And he said, man, I'm loyal to the Christians. That's my movement, that's my people. But I'm thinking to myself, okay, it's not only the problem that we pull it out of the same book, but the other problem is, is that we count, like even if we didn't teach that, I was a universalist by the end but I would still go to like gospel music rallies where they were saying that stuff. And I didn't stand up and go, that's a lie. That's an infinite lie. And so all the moderate Christians, they're just creating cover for the insane Christians, for the fundamentalist Christians. And so at some point you have to say, no, this passage of scripture is a lie. Jesus is not telling the truth here. There is no infinite fire. There is no eternal fire.
0: Right, but you can't, again, like you can't just take out passages of scripture and say, but this one's true and this one's not true and this one's true and this one's not true. It's like, this works for me and this one doesn't work for me. And if you really, if you really don't want to follow those things that don't work for you, then
1: start a new religion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I ended up writing to Brian and saying, okay, so... And this is my challenge to all the Christians that will get this podcast when their non-Christian friends forward it to them.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I'm not, I'm not slagging on your religion yet. I'm trying to figure out why I shouldn't go on a speaking tour called The End of Lies. So I, I wrote to Brian, I said, explain to me why I shouldn't do my best to ridicule and undermine teachings that are so obviously harmful and man this is a scary thing for me because i don't want to be that guy and i'm not mad at christians christianity was great to me but boy that teaching is a mess you
0: better get that letter in the mail brian might hear your podcast before he actually receives it. i i, I, like, I email talk him. about liars who's a liar he didn't actually receive that letter from you at
1: this point no no oh, i did I, I i but i'm just saying like i'm struggling okay so then this is i wouldn't i wasn't gonna do a podcast on this but then last night we're driving back we went to have dinner with miranda and tyler which is our daughter and her fiance love those people (laughs) um and on the way back i'm listening to npr and they do the the plug-in they're just about to start on being with krista tippett a wonderful podcast that i never understand why she doesn't invite me on um She's Carr. having Mary Carr, who you love. Right. Liar's
0: did, Club, the Liar's Club. Yeah,
1: she's this memoirist. She wrote these beautiful memoirs of growing up in this kind of insane household mm-hmm. of her mother. And I can't remember whether her mother was a Christian or not, but I don't think so.
0: Yeah, I can't remember it.
1: Because then Mary Carr describes, she, in the, in the intro, she says, we're going to have her on, because she's going to talk about her conversion to Catholicism. And they, and Mary Carr comes on and says, yeah, I was in a mental institution and it dawns on me, I, after 25 years as an agnostic, that my way of life wasn't working. And so she said, and so I embraced Catholicism. And I thought, I can't listen to this podcast because that's like, basically they're saying like at her most vulnerable moment, they sold her, she bought into the lie and why did she buy into it
0: I think when you're out of control when you feel like you're you can't handle your life when you're I mean it's the it's the whole higher power thing in Alcoholics Anonymous and again I don't I don't want to slag on that because I think it works for a lot of people so um but it is like I don't I, I appreciate not having to be in control of this thing that um I'm not able to handle or my life isn't working for me so let me make somebody else in charge of that and I can very
1: tempting thought isn't it and there's this wonderful person who will take over your life and make it wonderful right give your life to Jesus
0: right and then and you probably do you have these moments of transcendence or whatever you want to call it where you you're like this feels so good to me especially when you're in a group so if you're at the Alcoholics Anonymous meeting or you're sitting in a mass you're feeling a part of something bigger than yourself and you end up walking away calling that your god Hi, or your, your higher, higher power, power and you're like oh thank thank god i have this and yet it probably was much more being a part of the group that made the difference
1: yeah and 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 the, and the weird thing is mary Carr becomes a catholic and it's funny like i literally turned off the radio at that moment and thought i can't listen to this because to me this is like having a woman She's going to tell in vivid detail how she got raped,
0: Mm.
1: like how she got abused because the price of her feeling that benevolent, like I can surrender to God is that three quarters of the world's population is going to burn in hell. And at some point that's going to dawn on her that if she is saved, that other people are lost and lost, not just for a moment lost forever. And, you know, just having read Mary Carr, I don't think that she's imbibed that yet. But at some point, that's part of the package. Yeah. And so, you know, Ingersoll, one of his, like, you know, I I know, I know, I'm just obsessed with him, but one of the things that he says is, um, he says, is it necessary that heaven should borrow its light from the glare of hell? (laughs) And, you know, that's what i think is going on here but i think it is necessary i don't think there is salvation unless there's destruction or maybe there is maybe yeah, maybe i'm wrong cuz you could come up with everybody like universalism everybody gets saved everybody's happy no sin no conflict all is well but that's not the teaching
0: well it's not the teaching of christianity right I don't, I don't know a lot about Buddhism, but the stuff that I've read, I feel like that's a religion where there's not really destruction, is there?
1: Well, for a lot of Buddhists, there's not eternal life either.
0: No, but their life here, they're always sort of seeking after oh, a yeah. light. Or and Jainism. A...
1: Jainism's even yeah. better. Like harm, do harm, harm nothing. You know, the, the weird thing about that is that's the other pernicious thing about Christianity. And again, not Christians, but Christianity is Is that once you teach people that some people are going to burn in hell forever Mm -hmm. if god's gonna punish this person forever what does it matter what i do to them like if god hates them that much if their sin is that horrible that they deserve that and you think like does this teaching that some people are worthy of destruction does it make it easier to kill people does it make it easier to go to war
0: well that but then you go to hell
1: does capital punishment make it easier well you you do unless you do it in the name of jesus yeah right you know because that that was ingersoll's other thing he said don't kid yourself that the teaching that some people are worthy of annihilation doesn't facilitate holy wars
0: oh yeah absolutely
1: And so like when we see it in Islam, we go, is Islam an inherently violent religion? People are like, that's that's a big question, you know? Is Islam an inherently violent religion? And you're going like, when Jesus says that if you don't live according to his teachings, you will burn in eternal torment, I think that makes Christianity an inherently violent religion.
0: Well, and it's proven violent throughout the ages. The way people have been interpreting it and decided that their way is the way and going around killing everyone else
1: or or in saying you better convert at the point of a spear yeah because if you don't convert you're you know so again it's, it's a little bit like when you were a little girl you're inherently bad and if you're saved it's not because you deserve to be saved it's by the grace of god grace is a grace is a backhanded gift gift the gift (laughs) yeah it's the gift that keeps on giving you nightmares exactly um yeah so so i guess that's the question i've got for you wife of mine and like this is a good the the reason i wanted you to be on here is for two reasons number one is i feel like you've been tormented by grace as much as anyone i know Mm -hmm. do you think it's you know what i mean by that yeah Um, and that I spend a lot of my life dealing with the fallout of what you were taught about your self-worth and about your worthiness. Sorry. No, I mean like, I'm not, (laughs) I'm not trying to to make you feel bad again, but I'm just saying that a lot of times I end up having to say things to you. Like, why are you afraid to go into this room? Like you're as good as anybody. Like, you know, why do you think people won't like you in a, in a situation You're wonderful. Everyone always likes you. You have no evidence that you're not likable and acceptable. And I go like, yeah, but you have years of conditioning.
0: Yes, I do. Yeah.
1: And so, so part of the reason is because you're a victim, but the other reason is because you're not a person who likes to be in the spotlight and you're not, I'm like, if I came out against Christianity, and said it's not just wrong it's it's evil the teachings Um, that would that could be a problem for us yeah so do you think I should leave it alone
0: I think I, I think I'm not ready for us to make that decision like you know in the last 24 hours really is when you've gotten fired up (laughs) quite fired up (laughs) about this um and it as in everything in our life I'm like can we take a few minutes can we think about this and talk about it um yeah so I, I I need some time to decide whether or not that would be a good idea because it will really change our lives
1: change our relationships with people exactly yeah and I think that that's why it doesn't happen is because people don't want to change their relationships with people. And maybe the thing is, I've got to figure out how to do it in a way that's not angry, but that's liberating. One of the things... One, can I give you one more Ingersoll quote? Of course. So one of the things that Ingersoll said that I love, and I, 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 I've got the book right in my hand, um, but he talked about how um, there's nothing so wonderful as
0: do you have it right in your hand
1: yeah here, here, here it is here was his motto here was his guiding light here was his star here was his hope and inspiration nothing is greater he said than to break the chains from the bodies of men nothing nothing nobler than to destroy the phantoms of the soul ingersoll was an abolitionist he believed he i mean he fought against slavery Mm-hmm. But he was also a spiritual abolitionist. And he fought against mental slavery. Bob Marley once said, you know, emancipate yourself from mental slavery. None but ourselves can rule our minds. But I'm convinced from my experience that other people can rule our minds. And there is a slavery that can be imposed upon us.
0: I think that's true, but I think that Nobody, you know, slaves, real slaves do not ever go like, well, I'm not really sure I'm a slave. I'm not really sure I need to be emancipated. I think people who are in mental slavery or spiritual slavery will often fight that notion. You know, what's
1: interesting is, is that people that are real slaves, people that are real, really in sexual slavery or bondage, often do say, I don't need to be liberated. My pimp loves me. He cares for me. He looks after me. He takes care of me in the same way that Christians do. But at least with God.
0: they recognize they're in slavery. They, they know they've got a pimp.
1: I did too when I was a Christian. I, I, I'm a bondservant of Christ. Like in exchange for his benevolence and his care, I surrender my will to him. What is that but slavery? Hmm. And so Ingersoll felt that he was a, a liberator and that his job was to liberate people from a form of slavery that kept them in bond, a form of bondage. I'm not there yet. Don't get me wrong. Like, And if you're listening to this podcast, like, it was an experiment from the beginning. This whole conversation is not an answer. It's a big question. And that is, what do we do with this terrible teaching that so many wonderful people love? Um, and maybe that's a good place to leave it. I mean, do you feel like there's anything we left out? Like as we've been talking, I don't think so. No, this is kind of what we've been talking about. Yeah, so this is my my question, and I would love it if, if you're if you're into the question. Um, and it's funny, one of our listeners wrote in and said, "I'm going to start a uh, Facebook page for this podcast to start a dialogue. and this may be uh, this may be the week that we need to do <laughs> it. And so uh, I, I'll next week's podcast I'll put it up there. But in the meantime, since there is no Facebook page. Um, I'm just going to encourage you to go to bartcampolo.org and send me an email and then I'll keep track of all those emails like postings if you will and when we get a Facebook page up I'll throw them up there Um, but yeah I, I guess I want this to be a conversation because I think for a lot of us who want to build this new community because the reason Mary Carr was so susceptible was in her hour of need a group of people surrounded her with this with this story and the question is, can we build communities that will surround her? Oh, that's the last thing I got to say. Okay, listen, and, and I know I'm, I'm, I'm not rambling on here. I'm going to have a guy on the podcast in a couple of weeks who I already know. His name is Jim Gilliam. And you could find his TED talk. It's called The Internet is My Religion. And he doesn't say the internet is God because what he says, it, like he's a, he's a stone secularist who believes in God, but he says, the God I believe in is humanity connected. Hmm. When you're an alcoholic, you wanna believe that somebody can take over your life and make it well. And I think the answer is somebody can. A group of people can surround you and say, we're gonna take care of you. We're gonna look after you. We're gonna help you get control of your life again. And I think that when you are lonely and broken and alone, there is somebody that can come and rescue you. It is humanity connected that when groups like, so you say like, do you believe in a higher power? And I would say like, you said it earlier, like, do you believe in a higher power? And you're like, yeah, I do. My community. Yeah, the group, it's the group. And so you say like, wait, this whole podcast was just another way of coming around and talking about community building. And like, is that all you ever talk about is the group? But I gotta tell you, I think that the group, the community, the tribe, that's the only antidote to God. And so if God is terrorism, if, the, if a God who sends people to hell is terrorism, then you better build a tribe. Then we better build some tribes. Because if we want to be liberators, we can't just liberate people from something terrible. We have to liberate them into something wonderful. Or, like Ingersoll, magnificent i'm sorry i'm (laughs) way off on ingersoll right now he's he's enlightened me in a way that few have hey thanks for being on the podcast
0: thanks for having me
1: was it terrible
0: uh it was a little terrifying but not terrible
1: i think you did really well thanks no i really do oh good and i bet you i'm gonna get emails from people that are gonna say have her back because i get ones about roman now they're gonna feel
0: they're gonna feel pressure
1: they're going to feel pressure?
0: Yeah, now I won't believe the emails because- Hey, I'm
1: telling you, this is a woman who got terrorized into, into a low self-esteem. <laughs> Bring the emails, people. I need some affirmation for my wife. Hey, thank you, seriously, for, being, for, for staying home from work for an hour to do this with me. Sure. All right, that's it. That's my conversation with Marty. I hope you liked it. It was funny as soon as I turned off the microphones because I liked it. And as soon as I turned off the microphones, I said to her, hey, that was great. Thank you so much. Because just having her here enabled, it, it just felt so much more real to me than if I'm just sitting alone in front of a microphone spewing out ideas. And I thought she said important stuff and and I just value her, her part in this conversation that we're having. Um, but she was like, really? You think it was okay? And I think it goes back to that whole thing of in a podcast, I end up talking a lot more over her or or, or than her than in real life. Um, but I, I think at the very least, we let you in on the big question. And I, I think at this stage in the game, that's all I would ask of you is, please give me some feedback. Please tell me what you're thinking, how you wrestle with this, what, what, how, how it sits with you. Um, bartcampola.org. You just go there. There's a place to contact me. Just do it. It comes right to me. We'll get some kind of a chat room thing going soon. And maybe on this episode, maybe based on this episode, but right now I'm just telling you, I please, 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 even if it's just a sentence, just let me know what you're thinking. Let me know that you're out there. Um, yeah. All right. And, and we got, like I said before, we've got great people coming in over the next few weeks and months um, lined up some wonderful wonderful folks to talk with and uh, hopefully we'll broaden out uh, the conversation and hopefully we'll broaden out the audience Um, but in the meantime again thanks for being part of our podcast
0: for more information about the work of Bart Campolo please visit barcampolo.org